0: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 this morning. Seventy-five years. We are going to celebrate that milestone here at Calvary Baptist Church this year. Seventy-five years as we commemorate what God has done, as we celebrate who God is and as we commit ourselves to what God wants to do until He sends His home, His Son, to take us home. The book of Acts is a book of progression, transition, moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the sacrifices to the Savior who was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world, from the preaching of Jesus and the teaching of the prophets to the gospel message that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a message of progression, progression from law to grace. It's a message of a promise fulfilled because Jesus said, I will send the comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit who indwells us and encourages us. It's a message of preaching, preaching the resurrected Christ, how Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It's a message that gives to us the opportunity to participate in the great commission fulfilling the assignment to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and it profiles the church that which God had brought together to accomplish his kingdom work for his honor and for his glory i have a friend who is a executive officer in a nonprofit and my friend at Christmas time gave me this book. It's entitled Start with Why. A lot of times we talk about the what, a lot of times we deal with the how. But it's very important that we understand the why. And as we move through our 75th anniversary year, it's important that we go back and we look at the foundation that God has given to us here at Calvary Baptist Church. The early church started with the why. And in Acts 6.42, we are given to us the foundation for that early church. We have it up here on the screen for you, and I want you to read it with me this morning. This is our verse for the month. And then we're going to begin to develop the why of ministry. Let's start with the reference, Acts 2.42. We'll read the verse and then we'll finish with the reference, all right? You ready? Here we go. Acts 242. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And the prayers. Acts 2:42. Now many times here at Calvary Baptist Church, we look at our mission statement, and it's something that we ought to look at because we are interested in growing a great family here at Calvary Baptist Church. And you're familiar with the mission step- statement because it's all about Podcar, right? That we might multiply Christ-like disciples who are passionate about their God, obedient to His word. Dependent on God through prayer, connected to one another, authentic and relevant in their witness, so that we might develop Christ like disciples. But as you look at that mission statement, that's outcomes. Passionate about our God, that's an outcome. Obedient to His Word, that's an outcome. Dependent on prayer, connected to one another, authentic and relevant, that's an outcome. But what is the why behind our mission statement? Back to Acts 2.42. Read it with me this morning, will you please? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's the foundation for our mission statement. That's the why. The core is so important. And we need to make sure that we are strengthening our core. Last couple of years, I've had a a goal of physical fitness. And two parts of my goal have involved push ups and sit ups. Last year, I added pull ups to that regiment. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to strengthen my core. I wanted to make sure that my body would be able to function properly because it's all built around the core. I go to the gym and I see a lot of guys that just do upper body stuff. They look great, but they couldn't run a mile if their lives depended on it. I see other people on the treadmill that just put in miles and miles and miles, and yet their upper body isn't all that strong. We need to strengthen our core because from that comes our upper body and our lower body and we're able to function properly. So let me give you the core of Acts 2.42, and over the next four weeks we are going to look at these elements individually. The why of ministry. That early church was committed to the Word of God. commitment to the Word of God. That early church was interested in a relationship together. Now if you're equating this with Acts 2.42 and they continue steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine, that's our commitment to the Word of God, the fellowship, our relationship with each other. The breaking of bread, that's the communion service, remembering and reaching out to those around us, and the prayers, entrusting their lives and ministry to God. Those are our core values. That defines the why. Why we do what we do. Let's dissect this just a little bit. A commitment to the Word of God. I want you to notice in our text that they devoted themselves. Circle that word devoted in your Bibles, will you please? This was not just something they preferred, this was not just a cultural norm. This was not something that was convenient for them. But in King James language, they were steadfast. They attended constantly. They preserved and persevered in these truths. This is what drove their lives and ministry. I want to stop right here and ask you why you do what you do. What drives you? What is foundational for your life? What helps you make all of the decisions that you have to make in life? What supports you when you struggle with life? A lot of times it's our background, isn't it? I grew up in a preacher's home. Some of you have also done that, and you know there's nothing like it on earth for a lot of reasons. I remember we were traveling with our our kids when they were, were little, and they were just being rascals. This was a very unusual time in their lives. And I reached over the back seat and I got a hold of the closest one. And we settled some things right then and there. We had to stop and I had to go into a place. And as I got out of the car and I'm walking into this place I'm thinking that's just how my dad would have handled it. (laughs) Sometimes that's what drives us isn't it? Sometimes it's our culture because there are cultural norms. But I want you to know that this early church was driven first and foremost by a commitment to the Word of God. Amen? And that ought to be what drives our lives. Now keep your finger here in Acts chapter 2 and turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is a passage that's very familiar to you. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17. You could probably quote these verses. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good works. All scripture is breathed out by God, communicated comes from the mouth of Almighty Holy God. Amen? We could go to 1 Peter and we could find there where holy men of God were were moved as as they spoke. And they were moved by the Holy Spirit to put down the Word of God and give to us. And we believe in divine inspiration. We believe in verbal inerrancy. The very words are inspired. We believe in plenary errancy. That means the whole thing from cover to cover, from Genesis 1-1 to the maps. It's all inspired by God. And what's it inspired for? For doctrine. The apostles' teaching. It's inspired for reproof, King James, correction. It's inspired for correction. It's inspired for instruction in righteousness. Now, as you look at those four elements that the Word of God is used for in our lives, you discover very quickly that it's very practical stuff. Let me remind you, and this is just a reminder, that the Word of God is given to us for doctrine to help us know what is right. You know, it's important that we know what is right. But not only is the Word of God given to us for what is right, the Word of God is given to us so that we'll know what is not right. That's a good thing to know, isn't it? And the Word of God is given to us so that we can know how to get right. If you're not right, you need to know how to get right. And the Word of God is given to us so that we can know how to stay right. That's doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Now look with me at verse 17. That the child of God may be complete truly furnished unto all good works. You see, God wants to perfect us. He wants to complete us. He wants to help us to grow and develop. We talk a lot around here about being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Jesus Christ. You cannot do that without the word of God. And this what we call progressive sanctification in our lives is so necessary because we start out as newborn babes and we're told that we are to desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And then we are told to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's all this process. But it's a process that God accomplishes as the Word of God impacts our lives. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints And is a discerner of the, listen to this, thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what God's Word does for us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you'd like to go on a diet in 2018? Some of you raised your hands. All right. <laughs> now, if if you if you do go on a diet, that is going to mandate that you restrict in some ways the foods that you put in your body, right? No, you you got a different kind of diet. I heard about a great diet this past week. It's a 10-hour diet. And the way it was defined, as I heard about it, you can eat anything you want for any con- 10 hour, consecutive 10 hours during the day. And then you quit eating for the rest of that time, which means 14 hours you're not eating anything. Now, I could almost do that. And the, the whole idea is that for 14 hours you're, you're kind of fasting and you're letting your body digest this kind of thing. Now, I haven't tried it yet. I'll let you know how it works. But you know what you digest determines how well you develop your core. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Back to Acts 2, please. Now, I need to remind you that in the book of Acts, they did not have the entire canon of Scripture. They did not have the total collection of truth. What they did have was they had teaching from those who had been with Jesus. That's the apostles. What they did have was they had truth that was being passed on from the truth giver. Now they had the Old Testament Scriptures, and many of these were Jewish believers who had understood what God's plan was beginning with Genesis chapter 1, working through the Old Testament. And now they are transitioning into truth that was being passed down from the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that the body of Christ was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Ephesians 4 tells us that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edification of the body of of Christ. So when we think about the apostles' teaching, we need to think about Scripture, because that's what we have today. Scripture, which is a truth line, a text that the Holy Spirit takes and brings to our remembrance and teaches us all things through. So I want you in your mind to draw this line and call it a truth line, will you please? That's this all Scripture, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness. That's this so that we may be complete, truly furnished into all good works. That's this understanding what the Word of God is. Now, I told you earlier I was going to remind you of non-negotiables. The first non-negotiable is that the Bible is the Word of God. Amen? That's non-negotiable. It's not that the Bible contains the Word of God. It's not that the Bible reflects the Word of God. It's not that the Bible might be the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. Somebody said, The Bible says that I believe it, that settles it. You know that's incorrect. Because if the Bible says it, that settles it whether or not you believe it. Because the Bible is the word of God. The second non-negotiable has to do with salvation. Salvation is by faith alone, grace alone, in Christ alone. Not of works which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. So those are non negotiable. So I want you to take this this truth line, all right? I want you to take this scripture text, and I I want you to identify it in your life as representing those non-negotiables. Now we have a couple of challenges with this truth line. And the first challenge is that our culture would have us to live below the truth line. That we would think that this truth line is some standard that we cannot perfect. Some position that we cannot attain. Something that is unreasonable for us because it doesn't always make a lot of sense. But yet scripture challenges us to live according to the truth line. Turn over to Titus chapter 2. Will you please? Titus chapter 2. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Titus chapter 2. Look with me beginning verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live soberly, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people of his own, possessed who people of his own possession who are zealous of good works. scripture text bible truth mandates that we live self-controlled lives renouncing ungodliness and worldly passions and that we are upright and godly because we've been redeemed verse 14 from all lawlessness and God has called us to Himself to purify for Himself a people of His own possess- possession who are zealous of good works. Amen? We do not have any option to live below that truth line. God has given to us a standard, and there are no exceptions for the child of God. Now, do we always make it? No. talked about that progressive sanctification in our lives. And we always have to be developing. And that's why we always talk about challenge, change, conform to the character of Christ's process. But we cannot live below the truth line. Amen? We cannot accept that in our lives. You cannot accept that in your life. I cannot accept that in my life. We have a standard. Remember they devoted themselves. This is what drove them. They were steadfast. But neither can we live above the truth line. You remember Jesus in Matthew chapter 23, had a discussion with the Pharisees. You remember that? They were scribes, they were Pharisees, they were hypocrites. And he had a discussion with them because they shut the kingdom up in people's faces, saying, You're not good enough for the kingdom of God. They'd travel overseas for a single proselyte, but they'd forget about people around them. They'd make oaths to the gold in the temple. They'd emphasize the, the mint and the dill, the small things, and forget about justice and mercy and faithfulness. They'd clean up the outside of the cup, but the inside was full of greed and self-indulgence. Jesus said they were like white sepulchers, looked good on the outside but full of dead men's bones on the insides. They'd build monuments to dead men. Now what were they doing? They were living above the line. Sometimes a challenge of us for evangelical fundamentals or fundamentalist evangelicals is to make sure that we are not living above the line and making that scripture text and scripture truth. I was asked this morning where my tie was. Vern, I could borrow yours because it's probably still in your Bible, right? how's it look? (laughs) I'll give this back to you Vern. You know, mandating a tie on the platform is living above the line folks. Now, we can have our preferences Right. We went to Rochester Friday after we got done in Sandusky at a memorial service and brought home a new to us car. My wife is going to prefer that I don't eat in it. (laughs) But that's her preference. (laughs) Connie Gale, that's above the line. Now, there is a little bit about happy life, happy wife. Or happy wife, happy life. And if mama ain't happy, no, you understand that. So, so sometimes I let my preferences drive me, you know. <laughs> but but let's let's admit it, right? It's above the line. And if we're talking about biblical truth, if we're talking about Scriptural text. Let's make sure that it is what it is. In Galatians chapter 3, it says, Oh, foolish Galatians. And if you've studied Galatians, you know that there were the Judaizers there that basically said, Take Judaism and add Christianity, and blend it together, and you're right. The early church in Acts chapter 15 had a whole council about that, which asked the question, do you have to be circumcised in order to be saved? Remember we talked about faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone? That was above the line. And so you and I need to be very, very careful. When we talk about scriptural text, when we talk about biblical truth, we're talking about what the Bible says. Amen? In a court of law, you're asked in giving testimony to place your hand on the Bible and raise your right hand. That's it. I do solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Amen? That's a core value. Because as you read the text, it says that they were devoted to the Apostles teaching, the Word of God, that which was profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that they might be completed, truly furnished unto all good works. As we celebrate 75 years I want us to know, want us all to know that what drives this ministry is a commitment to the Word of God. Amen? Now, are you still in Acts chapter 2? We've just talked about the first why. I want you to see what happened when this why was worked out in their lives. Acts chapter 2. Verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Do you see what happened? It was awesome. Now this is the same description that we have at the end of the Sermon on the Mount when they heard Jesus teaching and they were all amazed because he taught with such authority and not of the scribes and the Pharisees you want an awesome life make the word of god a foundation a core value that which drives you in your life that's what happened in the early church we want an awesome church ministry It begins with the Word of God. That's the outcome. I'm looking for an awesome 2018. How about you? Amen. Amen. I'm looking for an awesome impact in 2018. Amen? Amen. The only way it's going to happen is with a commitment to the Word of God. That's awesome. Say that word with me, the word awesome with me, will you please? Awesome. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching.